Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. It felt weird to say welcome in your home, in your office, but that's what I've done. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I mean, I'm a guy sitting on your couch drinking yeah. your tequila. <laughs> well, this is a tequila that you gave me, so... Uh... I know. I have bad feelings about it because I feel like you don't like it. You... And so there's like a, there's this compounding feeling of like, oh man, he's enjoying my gift, but is he enjoying it enough? And that's like my own weird psychopathy i think the thing that's weirdest about it is i've never said anything to you that would indicate that i don't like the tequila i do like the tequila on a daily basis i just make up umbrages (laughs) that people have and experience them (laughs) i experience Uh, them fully without anyone else knowing yeah yeah I've uh, I've definitely been in that headspace before. Yeah, I got to bust out of it, man. Yeah. My mentals are all over the place. <laughs> Feeling better now, though. Oh, man, I'm glad to be sitting here looking at each other during. Indeed. Usually it's a, it's a form of reward on our show, but now we're just doing it because. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun and nice. It's good. Hey, look, Wendy just said that uh, tomorrow's episode is locked and loaded and she's signing off for the day. Hit on. It's like magic. Shit getting done by people who know what they're doing. And then there's us. (laughs) The first time in the history of the Uxbridge Samoda (laughs) enterprise, (laughs) having having someone competent (laughs) as part of the team. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to have one possible valence to this thing unworried about. (laughs) Good times. Adam, my father is doing good, but he is in the hospital at the moment. I've heard. And uh, one of my favorite people is your father. He's great. He's great. And uh, Apple does not fall far from the tree in one respect. And uh, that is that at least a couple of times that I know about since he went in for the surgery that he's in there for, <laughs> he had a bad bit moment. <laughs> Bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what, you're always doing bits, bits, bits. I was doing bits. Bad bit moment. Bad bit moment. <laughs> so, I mean, we have a pretty long-standing rule about no bits on tips. No bits on tips. Which, to define it, means not to hold hostage a retail or restaurant worker or equivalent employee with your stupid bit because they got to be there. They have to be there. They're being paid to be there. And, you know, nurse, uh, surgeon, uh, in many ways could fall under that umbrella. Feels very, very similar. Like in the same ballpark, at least. (laughs) So the first bit he did that did not Seem to go over. He's okay, right? Like we should probably set that up. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's he's recovering. Okay, uh, good. The surgery went very well. It's a neck surgery, so it's a kind of thing where he's got to be in the hospital for a few days afterwards. Like to make the sure. neck of his penis, or yeah. like actual neck. <laughs> yeah, they did some work on the part that you start your measurement at. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he had to get up at like five a.m. to go to the hospital for this thing, and the surgeon was an hour late. And so he was oh, in no. prep waiting for a long time and the Just sur- fully shaved surgeon finally comes in. This is the VA hospital. My uh-huh. dad uh, was in Vietnam. So he's at a VA hospital and he does a bit on the surgeon being late. Here's the bit. He's, <laughs> he says, this guy gets discharged from the military, gets a job, starts showing up late to the job every day. And the boss is like, Hey man, what gives like you were in the military. I thought you'd have like a lot more discipline. What did people say to you in the military when you showed up late? And he says, well, they'd say, Pen Hut, general on the floor. All I do is bit, bit, bit. No matter what. So he drags the man who's about to cut his neck open for showing up late. 
And then he goes under, and then when he, my mom met him in uh, in his recovery room, she's like, "Hey, so how are you feeling?" And he's like, "I don't know why my neck is so sore. They were supposed to be doing surgery on my knee." All I do is bip, bip, bip. No matter what. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and and what was the react? <laughs> my mom did not understand. She thought she went into paroxysms freaking out that he didn't know what his surgery was about oh wow yikes so the collateral (laughs) the collateral damage from the bad bit was not doctor related it was it was wife related bits on wives is covered it's that's okay yeah that's covered in your joke insurance (laughs) yeah but i uh, do not have a bit on wife policy then (laughs) we gotta get you one of those we'll we'll make sure the uh, company renegotiates that next time we buy insurance i definitely need umbrella comedy insurance (laughs) so i uh i was delighted when i heard these two jokes but they were for me not for any of the people that that he did them on (laughs) So often that's how it goes, right? Yeah. Is he the type that like plays the long game with a bit? Like, I'm going to do this knowing it's not going to be appreciated. Like, oftentimes when you and I do bits, I'm thinking about it for later. Like, this is going to be good for the show. <laughs> I'm willing to die on this bit hill yeah. now yeah. if it means feasting at the bit banquet later on. Yeah. It, does your dad think that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad... Loves to tell you about a bon mot he had 20 minutes ago when you weren't there. Yeah. I have a very vivid memory for some reason of, uh, I played ice hockey when I was a kid and he told me that we were at like the rink for a game and the coach of the opposing team was the only other gentleman in the men's room when my dad went in there and he uh, stepped up to the urinal and the guy broke wind and (laughs) my dad said, how do and he just thought this was great, but the coach of the other team did not find it amusing. <laughs> but he told me about it later. <laughs> just the idea that that's story worthy. <laughs> I would have seen, like, to me, it is story worthy. That's so funny. Yeah. That's real chip off the old block mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. So. My dad's okay. Hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah. And uh, yeah, me too. Hey, Adam. Speaking of bones and seeing human bones. Yes. There's a lot yes. of that in the episode we came to talk about today. There sure is. <laughs> Quality pivot right there. Yeah. Surgically deployed. This is a like max fun drive level pivot. I mean, sure. we're yeah. recording very far ahead, so I have no idea when this episode lines up. Uh, hopefully our level of support at this point in the drive keeps us on the network. <laughs> Otherwise, we're doing this for nothing. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I've taken Jesse's threats to heart. Yeah, yeah. Jesse can be a real son of a bitch behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to get into today's episode, Adam? Oh, yeah. It's what we're here to do, Ben. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 23. Distant origin. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> we have all the ingredients for a great cold open here. Yeah. We got a, an exploding volcano. We got a cave. An exploding volcano that we have seen before. Yeah. Yeah, this place looked familiar, and there's a reason why. Because by the time we go inside this cave, we see some alien people rooting around in the sand. And this guy and his archaeology partner are finding some bones. Damn bones. Look at the bones! And these bones are uh, the bones of a Voyager crew member that died on the uh, Crow Mag planet. Yeah. RSVP. Is this, um, what, what were we calling that guy? He had a nickname. Yeah, he did. People will appreciate it if we think of the nickname. I think at some point this episode, we might just do that. We might just remember. (laughs) I mean, what did we call Hogan? Skulk Hogan! Skulk Hogan! It could be Skulk Hogan's bones! We got it! Nice! We we finally got there. (laughs) (laughs) This is why the the greatest gen wikia is so important. We can't remember this crap. Two host brains make one normal brain. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. (laughs) These guys are fucking psyched to find these bones. Yes! 
Let's gather the find and bring it back to the ship. I'm excited for what happens when they tell the Voth people. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who they are. After the theme, we find out a little more. Because Gagan and Veer have put the bones together in a kind of about-to-be-in-a-museum display yeah. kind of configuration. Yeah, indeed they have. And, uh, and they're starting to kind of speculate about what type of person would be walking around with bones like this inside them. Yeah. Rudimentary sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Non-Saurian. That's a bit of a scandal. Yeah. Yikes. I wonder how their brandy is. Hmm. Probably shitty, because everyone knows the Saurian brandy's great. I thought it was hooch. <laughs> I mean, sometimes hooch is what you want. Yeah. We're going to the, uh, after we record this, we're going to the uh, 10 forward pop-up experience here in Los Angeles. So yeah. maybe we'll find out what Saurian brandy tastes like tonight. Take it to the dome. That's what I'm going to do. I'm guessing that's a, a Marin on an upcoming Greatest Discovery, right? That's a good idea. Or is it a Marin on a past Greatest Discovery as of the release of this episode because we're so far ahead on Greatest Gen right now? That makes more sense. You're going to have to go find it, fair listener. It's somewhere. We can't do the work for you. <laughs> we cannot. It looks like Skulk Hogan really had his mind blown before dying because uh, <laughs> there is a great big hole in this thing. Yeah. Or when we get a good look at it. I mean, you can reach right in there. That's a big hole. Or Brain is also significantly smaller than that of the, uh, the Saurians here. Yeah, they get pretty uppity about this observation. Yeah. Also, uh, the greater number of fingers. Have some disparaging comments about that. I mean, what are you supposed to do with two extra fingers? I mean, the only thing I could think of is play a really sick piano, but like, yeah. who needs it? How are you supposed to pleasure someone digitally with those spindly things? <laughs> and they're not even ribbed. Because when we see these giant reptile fingers, holy moly, they're like three giant carrots. Yeah. So they are trying to figure out what a human was doing all the way out here because they have some theories about what this might mean for the origin of their own species. And so they're like, ah, oh, we got to go tell the other scientists. We need to get a fleet together because this is probably the most important discovery we've ever found. And we, we got to comb the galaxy for the ship that this guy came from. There's some subtly, really important work being done here. And that work looks like two people... Loving what they do, doing what they love, excited to share that with other people, yeah, and slowly putting their balls into the machine. <laughs> right? Like, you need this part to feel the great sadness that is to come. Totally. Yeah. And we also get some timeline here. This is, in fact, the Cro-Magnon planet. This guy died over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, if this people is warp capable, which they must be. They could be pretty far away. Yeah. Veer's like, cool, we can maybe like get a scout ship out to help us sift through the sand. Maybe we can find more evidence. And, and Gagan's like, you fool. <laughs> this isn't a field trip, Veer. We need to mount a sector-wide expedition. We need a fleet of ships. We basically need our entire society to pivot yeah. into this. We need a moonshot. We need uh, <laughs> yeah. a Herculean effort to find this ship. The first duty... Of every Saurian in my circle is to scientific truth. Right. I mean, not only is Gagan a scientist, he also kind of has a poet's heart. Because mm. when he records his log a little later, you're like, God damn, Gagan. You're really doing exactly what you need to be doing. A lot of flourishes in that. Yeah. You, uh, you really found your uh, your happy place. Sure hope nothing bad happens to Gagan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Do what you love and you'll... Uh, Never work a day in your life until yeah. <laughs> you meet the minister or whatever. Yeah. I mean, something is made of the urgency yeah. of the matter. This body has only been cold for a year. And yeah. uh, to these Saurians, like, that would ordinarily be a good thing. You want a cold body. Right. Not nice this and one. cold. Mm. Yeah. So they head to what they call the city ship, which looks like a dino from the outside. Yeah. You ever fight a dinosaur, kid? And uh, they meet with a... A real Palpatinosaurus, <laughs> this leader, a lady in a uh, a very like gloomy Empire Strikes Back looking throne room, uh, fielding the pitch that Gagan is making about uh, the distant origin theory. And he finally has proof. He's uh, he's laid all these bones out on the table. A pile of bones. 
impressive. He's uh, talking about the demonstrable proof that uh, their species came from very far away in the galaxy and traveled millions of years to get to where they are now. Gagan is like, sharks, all our lives we've been told that the Voth doctrine is true. <laughs> that the Voth were the first evolved species in the galaxy and are superior to all other species as a result. For 500,000 Saurian dollars... And 10% of the distant <laughs> origin theory. We can reproduce and sell these bones in retail stores around the Voss system and beyond. <laughs> I was so proud of Gagan I'd like here. to pitch you on a licensing deal. <laughs> That's a mistake. You will never be plated if you stay small. The camera's on Gagan for so long. I'm I'd like, also like to kill someone by uh, hitting them with my boat and then just getting away with it because I'm a rich guy. <laughs> And also blaming it on my wife, I think. Mm. I'm not talking about anybody specific, to be clear. <laughs> you know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. This is a great presentation. Gagan yeah. does good. Well done, Professor. Hardly. But the sharks are uh, very skeptical about some of his numbers. Right. And um, it's also, I mean... Not information that Palpatinosaurus is super keen on because it sort of undercuts some of the things that she believes to philosophically underpin her political power and the worldview of her species. Right. Have you considered the wider implications of your theory? Yeah, I mean, it would be one thing if it only had to do with the belief system of her species, but it has a direct causal relationship with her sitting where she's sitting yeah also they really hate hot-blooded species in this culture so yeah. when gagan drops the endotherm bomb yeah. uh, it really goes over like a lead balloon yeah when he drops the n-word <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> that's en right. word for the for the kids at home right for the transcription that's <laughs> that's the en word <laughs> Pretty casual with that. Yeah. She is not keen on uh, doing what he is asking her to do, retask their entire society toward finding this ship. But she says she'll consider it. And uh, that is where they leave things in this meeting. I also just wanted to call out like the camera placements in this meeting. The shot compositions are super creepy and a lot of Dutch angles. Very um, original Tim Burton Batman. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? I thought the entire episode was shot very uniquely in yeah, that way. Very like expressionistic. Yeah. In a way that you don't often see in Star Trek Voyager specifically. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Did you happen to catch who the director was? Uh, it was the director named after Picard's Fish. What was, what's he named? Oh, Livingston. David Livingston. Oh, yeah. David Livingston. Wow. Good job, David Livingston. Weird ep. Yeah. So not a lot of hope coming out of this meeting. No. I failed to anticipate the level of ignorance I would be facing. And when things aren't going great at work, what you want is your family there to support you <laughs> when your shift is over. And uh, unfortunately, Gagan's daughter, Friola, is not there uh, yeah. with, with a bunch of support for her father. Yeah, she's like, Ixnay on the instant day origine. Yeah. I don't think they were very receptive. He did. You're never home, and also, I don't believe in your work. <laughs> <Yeah>. Also, I'm <laughs> fucking your partner. <laughs> Gagan is Dr. Fauci coming home to find that his it, family have gone full anti-vax. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? What gives? I'm disappointed in you. I thought we'd see more of Friola this episode, but... She but, does not have a lot to do. Yeah. I thought for sure Friola would be used as a punishment. It's a lot of loaf to get into for yeah. one scene. Yeah. Anyhow, Gagan goes back to his office and uh, his assistant, who I know he has a name. I put him in my note as Assistant Asaurus. Veer. <laughs> yeah, but Assistant Asaurus is fun. It is. It's more fun than Veer. He's like, hey, so uh, all of your computers have been seized and uh, they're coming for you next. You're, you're going to be arrested for heresy against doctrine. And Gagan is like, what? I am a doctor. I can't commit heresy against doctrine. Mm, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's like what my dad did to that surgeon. I know. He committed heresy against doctrine. <laughs> Does that mean they just dumped Skulk Hogan's bones into a, a garbage chute? I mean, those like those slithery dinos that they were fighting were like grabbing and eating people. So maybe he hadn't been pooped out by the time Voyager left that planet. No, but I mean the like what they gather. Oh, you mean the oh yeah, shoot. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they either you know put them in like a crate in a huge room like, with all of their arcs of covenants, etc. Yeah, or they uh, or they just blew them out an airlock. God. The indignities visited upon Skulk Hogan <laughs> maybe finally have come to an end in one purely awful moment. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah. So Gagan and his assistant decide, we got to get the fuck out of here. The assistant uh, is given an opportunity to get out at this moment, and Gagan is uh, kind of encouraging him to do so. He's like, this is me hoisting myself on my own petard, and you don't need to get hoisted on it also. But uh, Veer's like, if I want to keep hoisting myself onto your daughter, I'm going to have to <laughs> remain involved in the situation, regardless of how dangerous it is. Yeah. So off they go. And their first stop is that space station where all the drug dealing was going down on the edge of the Necrid Expanse. Uh, first thing, they're offered a bunch of really fun sounding party drugs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Drugs can make you feel good. Next thing, they're sort of discouraged from going any further because hard to figure out how to get through the Necrid Expanse. Right, right. They go and visit Wixabon in prison. <laughs> it's worse than prison. It's a death sentence. <laughs> Dragging his tin cup against the bars. Yeah. Finally, they end up finding more information about the Voyager crew. And this, the unintentional comedy of this scene was profound to me because they've got... They've had for a while this little sketch of what Skull Kogan might have looked like, and it's wrong. It's wrong and bad. It's uh, it's really projecting their Saurian looks onto what they imagine a human might might look like. It looks like a fabric store envelope with like a <laughs> a pencil drawn picture of like what the thing you're supposed to sew together will look like. Right. And then when they get updated intel from one of the aliens that's traded with the Voyager crew. He helps them realize that humans look like jacked Mr. Bean. Yeah. And that's marvelous. Yeah, and they all look this way. <laughs> like if Mr. Bean had Batman armor. I mean, and it's not only a more accurate description of what the crew looks like. Uh, they also pick up a bunch of extra trinkets like yeah. uh, a communicator and a tricorder and warp plasma from their engines. <laughs> Glad they didn't throw that out. I I thought that they got warp plasma from the power plant on the space station in that episode. Maybe they also had warp plasma from their engines. Too good to throw away. Yeah. Obviously. They head out and uh, they're on their journey. And this is when they have their eating some bugs and talking about Gagan's daughter conversation. Veer is paranoid about Gagan's message being intercepted. Yeah. And Gagan is just straight out hungry to be a hard ass about Veer's crush on Friola. Yeah. But he's also just hungry for some tasty, tasty bugs. Delicious. He kind of does a little bit here on Veer, like, hey, hey, man, it's all right. I'm not going to be a hard ass. I'm going to be a cool father in law. <laughs> it's stupid and lame to be protective of a daughter like that. Yeah. You don't do that. Some weird patriarchal energy that you're sort of assuming I'm going to have. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like that. Their conversation gets interrupted by the computer, which is beeping away, telling them that they've picked up Voyager. And so, like, they're inside of a transwarp conduit, it looks like, and they just casually cloak and drop out of it. Yeah. These Voth are powerful as hell. Yeah. Every time they talk about the humans, they're talking about, oh, they are they have very primitive warp technology. Their sensors won't be able to detect us and stuff. Some of that is hubris, but a lot of it is actually true. Like, they are able to travel way faster than the Voyager. It would be great if that were considered as a bargaining tool at any point yeah. this episode. It would have been nice. So they start kind of sneaking around the Voyager, and they've got some personal cloaking devices that are very Geordie and Row. They've just phased themselves slightly out of the same reality so they can walk around undetected and 
get an eye on the humans and what they're like. I didn't expect the smell. First uh, pair that they follow is Tom and BLT, who are working together on some warp engine stuff, but also kind of putting horny on main. So there's some very like David Attenborough narration from Gagan and Assistant Asaurus about what they're observing down at the watering hole. Note how the female, through her feigned antagonism, encourages the male in his attempt to mate. This is like a fun reversal of the whole Star Trek duck blind vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, like Starfleet always does this to other aliens. <laughs> Why is it not okay for other aliens to do that to them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Starfleet had been down there to like see if the Mentakans were a village of death in the way that many people would be curious to find out if the Voyager is in fact a ship of death. Right. That would uh, that would be perfectly analogous. It's fun to hear BLT and Paris's relationship described by strangers. Yeah. In a anthropological sense. Totally. It's big fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are mammals after all. Tom Paris winning a bet means they're going to go to Klingon battle drills together in the holodeck as a date. I'll see you tonight. Yeah. That sounds like foreplay to me. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, especially for BLT, right? Bring your own batleth. I love how casually Gagan downloads the ship's entire database, <laughs> like in a second and a half. It's really quick. Yeah. It's a unique system. I know this. Another really striking camera angle in this episode is when we cut up to the bridge. Yeah. Uh, the camera is up high, shooting down into it. And this is the captain just kind of going about her business captaining everybody and then we kind of swing over to find Gagan and assistant Asaurus talking about oh like this must be a matriarchal society look that female is leading them really love a three-axis camera move yeah. here it's great I love the the like bounces of the camera when it's up high on the crane yeah like yeah and it's interesting because it must mean that a section of the ceiling of the bridge is is removable. I wonder mm -hmm. if they had it like built in a warehouse with one of those like cranes that yeah you know can go along the entire length of the warehouse and just like lift stuff out when they need to. I mean that would be great. Yeah, but it's probably much more difficult. Yeah, no, I mean like you never see this shot, or yeah. I would assume that it was easy. <laughs> Kim picks up some strange energies. This is strange. Mm -hmm. Emanating from the bridge. Yeah. They're talking a lot of shit about how they're undetectable, but yeah. they did not count on Harry Kim. I like jumping back and forth between them being cloaked and hearing some of the conversation, but not all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Like, I mean, I wonder if that was in the script or if that was in how David Livingston decided to mount the production because it's so nicely executed. That's a great observation because this could be something that you find during the edit as a more effective way to expedite yeah. what's happening. Right. Like, I bet you could cut it together both ways where it's just from and to and from and to. Right. But we're like tumbling through the dialogue and cutting off bits of one conversation in favor of another. Yeah. The last shot in this scene before the two invaders beam themselves down to Neelix's restaurant is a shot with Harry Kim in the extreme foreground and like shooting all the way down the length of the bridge, the, the back of the bridge. And like when they realize that they've gone to another floor, like Janeway like tosses a phaser to Chicote and Chicote runs to the elevator with Tuvok. Like yeah. there's so much dynamism in this episode. So much, so much cool stuff that they do with the camera, like angles that you never see. Yeah. This is a really special episode for that. Yeah. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. 
To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Neelix is not exactly the security officer he's been speculated to have the potential to be. Intruders? I don't see any intruders. I like how <laughs> the suggestion is that Veer and Gagan need to retreat into an area that's untrafficked <laughs> or unpopular. <laughs> and they don't know it, but that's what Neelix's is. Totally. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this C on the door must mean that this is a... Less desirable eatery. We should go to a place that smells like reptiles. <laughs> where we'll be more comfortable. Yeah. So on their way down, Chakotay and the gang get word from the bridge that there's a, a setting that they can do with their dustbusters to cut through the cloak. And when they get down there, they reveal Gagan and, uh, and Veer. And Veer kind of shits himself and shoots a Vaharai dart that hits Chakotay. And Gagan grabs Chakotay and beams out before Tuvok can stun him. And Veer wakes up from being stunned on the floor with just a million dustbusters pointing at his nose. Belated welcome aboard. I'm Captain Janeway. That's a fun POV. Yeah, that's a good gif. Yeah. We gotta get that gif going. All right. Bill Tilly, if you're listening, get that gif going. In Six Bay, Veer is on a bio bed and it looks like he'll recover just fine. Yeah, he seems okay. He seems okay until he chews on something that seems like a cyanide tooth. Yeah. But right. instead it's a hibernation tooth. Yeah, it's like he didn't uh, Baron Harkonnen and Janeway when she was leaning over him. Yikes. Yeah. That would have been bad. Right. So, yeah, he, I mean, like a goat, you know, he like basically <laughs> faints under the stress. <laughs> and so like, Janeway's like, all right, Doc, like, you know, keep doing your scan. See if you can get this guy awake eventually. There's coffee in his technology. 
I want to know what we're up against. Interesting that this episode is paced so quickly that you sort of ignore the idea that Janeway's primary concern is what this guy's deal is instead of where the hell Chakotay went. Right. You know? Like, the order of scenes here is not what I would have anticipated given what had happened. Yeah. Because after this is when we go see where Chakotay went. Yeah. And Chakotay wakes up on a bed that looks like the kind of bed you wake up on when you get schismed. Right. What do you want from me? And uh, he is in the presence of Gagan, but he's behind a forest field, so he's not going to be able to go anywhere. Do you always harpoon the local wildlife? And... Gagan is very standoffish at first. Very like, you know, don't be alarmed, but also like, don't try anything, bub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't bite. Real citizens arrest vibes happening. Mm-hmm. And Jacote is a fairly shrewd negotiator. He's like, look, I'd love nothing more than to talk about this conversation further, but uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to lower this force field so we can uh, talk like a couple of gentlemen. Yeah, he says, for what it's worth, I'm a scientist too, and by by that I mean. Like, I'm a scientist second and a terrorist first. Like, Uh that's the order. (laughs) Gagan's like, cool. I don't know what that first word means, so I'll go ahead and wrap this shield. And he's like, hey, I have your entire database here. This planet, this is where you come from, yeah? Yeah. And uh, they start talking about it. Are there other Gagans walking around there? Yeah. Seems like they're onto something. Yeah. Seems like the doc is onto something, too, because back in Six Bay... He tells Janeway that there are 47 genetic markers identical to those found in human DNA. That's more than coincidence. I thought so too. They're distant cousins. Yeah. They've got dino DNA. <laughs> and yeah, this is a, a crazy coincidence, but it's not just coincidental to humans. They also share markers with tons and tons of other Earth species. Janeway's like, Doctor, would you mind making your discovery? A little more entertaining. (laughs) Transfer yourself to Holodeck, too. I think it's time we took a stroll through primeval history. I wonder if you need this scene in a modern Star Trek episode. I mean, this to me called back the scene in TNG where they're like, it sounds like clicking and there's a table (laughs) and then there's a thing that looks like scissors. Yeah. A lot of schism callbacks in this episode. Yeah. What they do is they show like the earliest common ancestor that humans and Voth have, which is a quadrupedal dinosaur-looking beast. It's it's a dinosaur. That diverged into the mammalians and the uh, dinosaurs, and also evolved into uh, what was that? Parasaurolophus? Parasaurophilus? Ankylosaur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first one is, is like a uh, big turtle. Yeah. And then the, the second one is up on its hind legs. Yeah. Metasauruses. And you're like, yeah, like I could see this turning, like getting eventually toward a, a higher form of evolution like a human. I mean, it's bipedal. It's got uh, grabby arms. I mean, definitely the dinosaur in the toy box that no one wanted to play with. <laughs> like the least cool looking dinosaur <laughs> in the toy box for sure. So they have the computer do a genetic development projection algorithm. They put it on the derpy setting so that they can see what a humanoid version of this would look like. It's definitely from the species chooser screen from an open world video game. (laughs) Like, here's what you got to choose. You got to choose human being, uh, cat person, (laughs) and then this weird lizard guy. (laughs) Oh, I, my, I was one of the lizard guys in Skyrim. Yeah. When I did that game. Yeah. This is that. Yeah. This is that. But weirder. <laughs> I wonder how they did these. Are Do you think these are... They're not 3D, right? The camera doesn't move, so you never get like more than one angle on it. Yeah. And you don't get the like breathing movement of yeah. the player selection screen either. <laughs> yeah. The little... The tight loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> standing there. Yeah, that would have been fun. (laughs) I don't think they had the technology for tight loop back then. No, this was pre-tight loop. Yeah. So the same conversation is kind of going down on Gagan's ship between him and Chakotay, where they're talking about, like, how could this have happened? Like, if we both come from the same planet, like, why did we never know this before? And they start speculating, like, maybe the Saurians arose on a continent that was taken out and all of the evidence of their existence was lost 
in some cataclysm that predates the arrival of man on the evolutionary stage. And if so, like the evidence would be really hard to find, but some of them got off world and perhaps started your society. What did you think had happened based on the information that you knew up until this point? Because I think what it does is it kind of breaks the mind. Uh-huh. We learn later, like this happened over a hundred million years. Yeah. And in my dumb mind, I was like, okay, so like the, the dinosaur killing asteroid hits the planet, but then like these dinos are thrown up into the air and and some of them like attached to the pieces of the asteroid. And then like somehow an, an atmosphere forms around this and this asteroid <laughs> fragment flies out of the solar system. And ended up here in the Delta Quadrant. And I felt so fucking stupid later (laughs) when they're like yeah so over the course of tens of millions of years uh this species came up with technology sufficient for warp travel and i'm like oh (laughs) okay (laughs) i mean i was uh yeah i was picturing like atlantis i mean it's pretty far-fetched because if you my mind couldn't grasp the timeline though i was like so instantaneously these guys were moved off of the planet that's very natural though like millions of years is an impossible timeline to wrap your mind around and i don't know i mean a novel I read, there was a character in it named Leviathan that was like, if when life started, the first cell divided, and then one of them kept dividing, but the other just got bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's this like single cell life form that's like enormous under the sea that like, you know, is like as old as life on Earth and is like hyper intelligent and evil. <laughs> oh, what? I like this idea quite a bit. I'll lend you the book. It's called, Do it. It's called the Illuminatus Trilogy. It's a really weird book. <laughs> Sounds like it. So yeah, they're they're talking about how this could have happened, how evidence of the Saurians could have been wiped out on Earth and neither of their species ever suspect what had happened. It's also just like a hard conversation for Gagan to have because he's like, well, you're kind of my first mammal, so I'm kind of overcoming a lot of uh, pretty deeply ingrained prejudices myself here. Next time you might try a simple hello first. It's an exciting time for him. I mean, this is why you get into the sciences. Right. For this kind of mind blower. This is uh, this is great. This is why you get into Starfleet, man. Yeah. Chakotay's like, well, well mammals are great, man. Come back to my ship. I'll, I'll introduce you to a bunch of them. That smell is completely normal. <laughs> it's just what we smell like. And Gagan's like, sorry, dude, can't do it. Uh, we're headed back to my science buddies. I got to show you to them so that they will finally see proof positive. I have not been whistling Dixie. I love how gently the idea of science hostage is proposed Mm -hmm. and how gently it's accepted by Chakotay. I can't let you go now. (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah, I'll be your science hostage, daddy. Yeah. (laughs) It it makes sense to all parties. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. Back on Voyager, Tom Perez and Tuvok are testing the personal cloaking device. I thought this was an interesting scene because it doesn't quite tie into any of the rest of the story. Yeah. Is the implication that they get this at the end, like that they they keep the personal cloaking device? That's a great question. I think it's funny to consider that not long after this, the power goes out on the ship. Yeah. And that there might be a cloaked apple in that room that is never found. And as people walk into the room over yeah. the over the next few days, they're like, <laughs> "They smell like a an apple is it like decaying." Kind of smells here. like rotting fruit in here. But look, we looked all over the place, and like I could swear there are gnats everywhere, <laughs> but I cannot see them. <laughs> like I could just tell that there's fucking bugs in this room. <laughs> it feels like they're flying around your face, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to return to this story. <laughs> this is like there's a Harry Kim floating through space. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a, cloaked a fucking apple. invisible apple yeah. on Voyager. Yeah. These are important revelations. Yeah, I mean the this experiment is interrupted by a giant Voth ship, a ship so immense that we don't really comprehend its size mm-hmm. until the Voyager is taken inside it. Yeah. And you could fit 
This is like Jupiter compared to Earth. Yeah. Like it is so huge. You could you could fit a lot of Starfleet. You could fit a Wolf 359 of starships inside of the city ship. You absolutely could. This thing is awesome. They are beamed into the belly of the beast and they are no match for the Voth technology. Like the computer is down, weapons are down, everything is down. I love how instantaneous action happens after this like as soon as the realization is that they're inside yeah and all their power is out janeway's like okay go to the mattresses <laughs> and they're they're distributing dust busters yeah. and they're fanning out and it's clear that they're being boarded yeah i wanted somebody to grab the personal cloaking device and sneak around they lost it uh, yeah it's on that apple they, they lost track here's the thing like you do an experiment with a cloaked apple if you aren't looking at the cloaked apple and you look away for some reason <laughs> that baby's gone <laughs> no one's finding it again <laughs> that's why you need to do that experiment with a partner right right and one of you keeps eyes on the apple mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh so tom paris and tuvok are on a kind of starship mine going around the ship with their dust busters and tuvok gets got with one of these vaharai darts that these guys shoot i love a go on without me scene yeah always have yeah so now it's just tom paris one man alone ramboing around the ship yeah crawling through jeffrey's tubes and stuff and the bad news is the phasers are included in the list of systems that have been knocked out it feels so much worse to think you're defending yourself and realize that you're not <laughs> than to not have any defenses at all yeah i thought for sure after the BYOB joke at the beginning of this episode yeah. that tom paris would eventually have a mechleth or something I would love that. That would be great. Yeah. If they were like, yeah, we could establish diplomatic relationships with you, but Tom Paris killed too many of our people. Cut to Paris rummaging around in his nightstand, like Klingon lube and <laughs> paraphernalia. <laughs> he pulls out the rubber mechleth. This should do the trick. Wobble, wobble, wobble. <laughs> <laughs> after that there is no diplomacy <laughs> <laughs> what you want to do is cloak the contents of your nightstand like right. this is why paris was so interested in that technology <laughs> unfortunately tom over. it does not cloak anything larger than a group of small items like i don't know how useful this would be to anyone and paris is like i actually have a use case for this <laughs> am i making any sense here there's a certain drawer <laughs> <laughs> in my nightstand that I don't want people to know is there. <laughs> so they're all uh, they're all taken hostage. And speaking of hostages, we check back in with Chakotay, who is talking to Gigan, and he's like, uh, wow, well, it seems like my ship has been taken over over there. So in many ways, you going back to defend yourself at the city ship means we're sort of both defendants in this right to exist trial. Yeah. Gagan is very honorable here. He's like, I'm not going to let everybody on your ship get killed just because my people are like weirdly conservative, despite being super advanced technologically. A feeling that is visited again later on. Like this isn't the only instance of that feeling from him, Yeah, which is why it's not a surprise later on. There's a pretty intense scene between Janeway and one of the people that's come over to take over the ship and... She knows a lot more about what's going on than he does. Yeah. In an interesting way, like the captive being more studied up on the scandal that is brewing in his society than the captor. Let me show you a picture of some of the cooler dinosaurs. <laughs> You're related to none of these. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, check this out. <laughs> Allosaur. So cool. <laughs> So deadly. Dilophosaurus spits venom as a cool <laughs> cowl that appears around its neck when it's threatened. Here's one that I can barely pronounce. Ankylosaur. <laughs> For a long time, I said it differently. But then I learned its true pronunciation. Ankylosaur. You are also not related. <laughs> Archaeopteryx. Technically not even a dinosaur, and also not related to you. My point exactly. 
Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. We cut back to engineering where some random Voth is walking around. Like yeah. engineering totally deserted, either because everyone there has been taken prisoner. Right. I think. I think you're right about that. And this one single Voth is yeah. is just hopeless in the face of a creatively thinking Tom Paris. Yeah. He turns the phaser rifle into a bludgeon. Yeah. And knocks this guy out and radios up to the captain that he's got a, a full spread, the last spread of torpedoes ready to go. She does not hesitate. Lieutenant Paris, fire. There's like less hesitation here than Riker ordering Worf to uh, light up the deflector dish. What did you think was going to happen, though? I am a betting man. Uh I would have bet anything that they shoot the torpedoes and they do nothing Uh in like a total demonstration of technological impotence, (laughs) which would be realistic. Like they are overmatched in every way, especially with the reaction. That that would have been crushing to lose the torpedoes on such a pointless thing too. That's what I'm saying. Because the guy Janeway's talking to doesn't seem phased by this at all. I don't even think he says anything. No, it's just like the screen scrambles out and Paris's volley does not succeed. She's like, Paris, did you shoot the torpedoes? And he's like, I can't. (laughs) Nice try, Tom. This failure having taken place, Gagan and Chakotay are brought into the throne room with Emperor Palpatinosaurus. This is the trial. They're here to have judgment rendered on them. And basically, Gagan is asked, like, do you have anything else to say about your shitty theory? The trial never ends for, for the Voth. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A, man. <laughs> I should have saved that observation for the end. <laughs> You're really not made to like this minister at any point. I don't want to be here any more than you do. No, she's a very familiar thing, though. Like a politician, even a politician with whom you agree on a lot of stuff, yeah. failing to put scientific reality in front of political expedience. And that's all that's going on here is that she doesn't want to deal with any political fallout from a discovery that is somewhat jarring to people's worldview. And the idea that the proof of the hypothesis stands right next to Gagan is even more crazy making. Yeah, it's like irrelevant to her that she's looking at the proof in physical form. The minister is like, cool story, bro. The data may be right, but your interpretation must be wrong. And this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's so hard to argue interpretation. Yeah. Because it's a personal thing. Especially when your fucking assistant turns out to be a, a total turncoat. Yeah. What do you think this guy's shot is with uh, Gagan's daughter at this point? The thing is, Gagan's daughter is on Veer's new side of things. Like, yeah. It probably makes him even more attractive to her. She's like, what am I going to do, dad? Live with you while you make Dick working as a metallurgist? <laughs> no, I'm getting married to assistant Tesaurus, who's going to be rich. I, uh, my mind went directly to where it shouldn't have when you were talking about making Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. It took everything to pivot out of that into the metallurgy. I suppose in their society, she would say, who's making cloaca as a metallurgist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of money on that. No. Cloaca, very small amount. (laughs) So, yeah, this is a huge slap in the face to Gagan. And so she begins to uh, render the judgment. And the judgment is bad. It is, he's going to go like toil- on a penal colony. There is no stockade, no guard tower. As are everybody that was on board Voyager. It's a moment where I would have loved to see what Cass was up to and could she freshen up a Saurian? Yeah, I mean, and the doctor, like the idea of Voyager being taken over has happened before. Yeah. And there are some interesting defenses in those two characters that, that have made themselves valuable in moments like these. They're not in the story at this point. Yeah. (laughs) This judgment is so fucking over the top. It's so brutal. It's a judgment so brutal that in retrospect, you understand that it only served to 
affect the change in Gagan. But at the time of its reading, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. He's fucked and done for here. And there's no getting out of it. I, mean, I was fairly surprised that Gagan was able to reverse it in their favor. Right. Because at that point, he's like, okay, uh, some new thoughts have entered my mind and I'd like to share them with you. Uh, my distant origin theory is a bunch of bullshit and I clearly misinterpreted the data. If he didn't have that moment earlier with Chakotay about being so selfless. Yeah. I think this hits a little differently. Totally. And it hits wrong. Yeah. But it hits right because of that scene. And it works. The minister doesn't have to feel like the alien trash of the galaxy if this distant origin theory is totally discredited. She's like, cool, well, you can go work as a metallurgist and uh, you Voyager people can get the fuck out of here as fast as you can. And like, I definitely wanted Chakotay to say like, how about you uh, transwarp us to the far side of your space that you believe you control and drop us off because you can go way faster than we can. I mean, what Chakotay doesn't say is that, but what he does say is a ton. Like, this is a great Chakotay episode. He yeah. he gets a lawyer Chakotay moment here. Totally. That is extremely persuasive, even though it doesn't work. Like, yeah. it's an extremely good look for him. Minister, come on. You're like Star Trek. Yeah. You took to space the final frontier. These are the voyages of ancient Saurians from Earth. They're 65 million year mission to... Seek out the Delta Quadrant and not hang out with any endotherms. We are not immigrants. Chakotay is so adept at using the Voth's story against them. He never personalizes it, though. Like, he could have used a Native American story as a version of this, too. Really glad that we didn't get a pan flute music cue in this episode. Yeah, nice dodge. (laughs) (laughs) They do get a little goodbye scene. Can I tell you, this was exactly the moment that the CBS app spooled up the next episode. Oh my God. This has been happening to me lately in Voyager where it's not during the credits. It's three it's minutes before the credits jumping begin. Jumping the gun. The big box turns into small box and it says, next episode of Voyager coming up in five, four, <laughs> You're like, ah, three. fuck, where's the remote? Yeah. The last two episodes has done that. Wow. The button on the episode is Gagan kind of lamenting that his- metallurgical career is probably going to be pretty shitty (laughs) and uh chakotay leaving him with a little trinket to remember him by here is a paperweight that looks like the planet earth i bought it at the museum gift shop chakotay is like it is customary when a gift is given for a gift to be reciprocated so if you've got any of that transwarp technology (laughs) laying around that would be a great big help (laughs) But he doesn't ask for that. No. Which suggests, like, are they transwarp exclusionary propulsion interested? <laughs> if that's the case, fuck this show. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you could ask, Chakotay. You could have asked. Uh, yeah. He goes like, uh, how about a... Transwarp thing, and Gagan's like, can't share that, but I can give you this bug lamp. (laughs) Jakota's like, thanks, it's lovely. (laughs) Straight into the trash with that. (laughs) Jakota beams out of there and like football dunks it into the the garbage can. He puts it in the same room as the cloaked apple, and everyone (laughs) thinks it's just the bug thing that stinks. It's actually the cloaked apple. Oh, that's what's going on in there. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Adam? I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Sometimes Star Trek does the magic trick of, like, we'll watch an episode that feels very present in its themes. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, like, intellectual inflexibility and entrenched beliefs being a threat to progress or saving lives or whatever. Right. Felt magical in its timelessness. Right. Sadly magical, really. <laughs> Sad that this magic trick still works. I read that uh, that this was like a real Galileo trial by the Catholic Church inspiration to this story. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, it totally is. Which is even more crushing because that means it's been with us for yeah. like hundreds of years. Yeah, we're just stuck in this cycle of it. And 
I mean, because I like episodes that make me feel, I did feel bad in this episode <laughs> for that. And in that way, I think it's a, it's a success. I really liked it. Yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting and unique episode. Really awesome directing, yeah. awesome camera work, awesome performances. I mean, it doesn't really feel exactly like it's a Chakotay episode, but like on paper, Beltran gets like kind of the most to do of any of our main characters. And I feel like he really uses that time for all it's worth. As soon as he's transported over to that ship, he's got to be expecting a pregnant girlfriend to to come to the door at some point, right? It seems to happen every time. (laughs) Damn it. Every time I get kidnapped. Fuck. It was one hole. I didn't have any choice. It was cold. Do you know how badly lubricated a cloaca is? It sucks. Life uh, finds a way. I mean, Chakotay demonstrating himself three seasons in as kind of a great stick man in Voyager. Yeah, yeah. Almost almost on Harry Kim's level. Not yeah. quite. Yeah, that's big fun. Uh, do you want to get into those P1s, Adam? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Well, Ben, there are no Priority One messages this episode because it is a very special Max Fun Drive episode of The Greatest Generation. This is the second week of the Max Fun Drive yeah. in the year 2022. So if you're listening to this in the back catalog, that is why no P1s. We hope we have a great Max Fun Drive, but we don't know. Only you know. Yeah, it's uh, up to you. Listening to the back catalog. But if you'd like to help support the show, MaximumFun.org slash join. And if you'd like to get a P1, which also supports the show, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. I had a hard time finding one, but I think I'm going to give it to Gagan just for the like, I always love a, this is almost a trope at this point, but a scientist looking at a thing we know all about and drawing kind of bad conclusions by mm-hmm. trying to extrapolate from a limited amount of information. Mm-hmm. And that scene at the beginning of him, like trying to get an idea of what a human being might be like is a very funny execution of that trope. And, uh, I'm going to give it to him for that. Yeah, it's a good call. I think I'm going to give mine to Chakotay because he is just so comfortable being a hostage. <laughs> yeah. Almost a willing participant in his own hostage taking. Yeah, it's like a comfy old pair of sweatpants. It's like he doesn't want to be on Voyager anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that always made him a little bit of a wild card, this app. Like, I didn't know what he was going to do next, and I was frequently uh, impressed. At his choices. So uh, Chakotay is my Shimoda the set. Chaotic Chakotay. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, Adam, uh, why don't you head over to the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker at gach.biz slash game. While I tell you, would you believe that there are three more episodes in this season? I can't. I can't believe it. The next episode is season three, episode 24, Displaced. One by one, the crew of Voyager go missing and are replaced by strangers who claim they have no idea how they arrived. Soon, nearly the whole crew is gone, and there's no way of stopping the strangers from appearing and overrunning the ship. It feels like the last half dozen episodes have been just pure science fiction episodes. Yeah. Science fiction storylines transposed onto a Star Trek Voyager cast of characters. Indeed. I do not really remember this one. I'm I'm excited to uh, revisit an episode that has left my memory. Well, Ben, it's May the 2nd, which means our runabout is on square 38. Wow. It's strange to say, I don't think there's any damage I could do here. (laughs) Yeah, we're in that little pocket where there's not much stuff on the board. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. The pocket's safe and warm. And I'm going to roll the die. This is the only pocket we'll tolerate being in. Chula! Did I win? 
Hardly. Ben, I've rolled a one, which <laughs> uh, means that the next episode will give us the same. Uh, we're currently on square 39. Cool. Where it will be a regular old episode coming out of the Max Fun Drive. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode and uh, supported us during the Max Fun Drive. We feel so lucky to get to make this show for you. And uh, if you haven't set up a membership yet, or if you're listening not during the Max Fun Drive, you can always set up a membership at MaximumFun.org slash join. And uh, it's an amount of money that you won't miss and really helps us a ton. Yeah. It's the only way the show happens is through the support. True. You and I go back to normal jobs without it. Fuck, I really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think about it every year. Yeah. Uh, we got a few people to thank. First and foremost, Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program. She is full-time as well. Yeah. And uh, she's doing great work. We are so, so fortunate to have her working on this show and Greatest Discovery. Uh, we also got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who makes the baseball cards about every episode of this show and uh, also runs the social media accounts at greatest trek on instagram and twitter bill tilly one of the greats also gets paid yeah out of your support he intercepts the emails and the packages sent to us true he does it all he's he's just a great great friend of the show he is and we're glad to have him we got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme music and then went on to become a super famous YouTube chef and is now a famous podcast chef. Search for the Adam Ragusia podcast. I recently learned that we're going to be regular guests on that show. I love it. <laughs> he didn't tell us at the time. I mean, we finished that one episode. And he's like, what's the next movie we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, he's one of the greats. Yeah. Good, good, bud. Maybe there will be multiple Ben and Adam episodes of that show by the time you listen to this. We have one last show of our tour in May. True. If you haven't bought tickets to our show in Austin, the Double Dumbass Tour is going to uh, wind it down yeah. for the year 2022 in one of our favorite cities. So please come out to that and send us off right. Hang out with other friends of DeSoto. These shows are a great time for everyone, and not just us. Really looking forward to that Austin show. Love playing Austin. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where two people that you've never heard are on the mic and Ben and Adam are somewhere else. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. Make it show. they the vash the veen voth the voth i was gonna get there <laughs> maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported